Hello and welcome to the I'm Pretty Podcast. I'm Basma and this is Chi. We want to explore the world of beauty through the experiences and stories of people of colour. In each episode, we will unpack different themes and topics, along with the help of some friends, experts and people we just really love. We've got lots to say, lots to learn and we're here to do that with you. So let's get to it. So our last episode was obviously a really difficult one for us to record. Basma. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? How have you been in the last couple of weeks? I think I'm doing a lot better. Like as we're recording this today, I feel a lot better. I've definitely, the ups and downs have been wild. I can't even explain. Like one minute I'm crying and next minute I'm like, you know what? No, this is okay. I'm, I'm good. I have to say, I feel so lucky that I've got such incredible black women in my life to sort of just bounce off of in this period because it's been so tough. But I feel all right. I feel all right. What about you? It's all a process. I think I definitely feel, I think lighter is the word that I would use. I'm just at this stage, just giving space and allowing time for things to change and get better. But mm. we've seen progress Yeah, we in have. the last two weeks. Yeah, we have. we have. Which we can't deny. I know that I want to deny it. I'm quite like, I'm excited. I'm just nervous. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm nervous because change yeah. is good. I just feel this level of like, wait, is are we oh we're taking this seriously now? Is that is that a thing we're doing? So I don't know. Um it is really good. I mean I one know. of the things I loved the most was the fact that we now are gonna have plasters in our skin tone. <laughs> I love that. I know. The thing is, how wild is it that Band-Aid literally just so quickly did that? Mm-hmm. It's like, why was it that <laughs> like you could have done it all along? And I think The really funny thing is I shared it with quite a few of my friends and my non-black friends, actually, particularly my white friends, were they'd never thought about that. Yeah. Which is weird because like, you know, everyone's grown up and surely if you've got black friends, you've had black friends in your childhood. You've seen them with a skin colored, I say skin in air quotes, plaster that doesn't match their actual skin tone. Yeah, I hear you. But it's one of those things that like, I mean, I didn't as a child look at it and think, oh, like, why don't I have a plaster? Now I do if I need one as an adult, because I think it looks so overbearing. I actually, as a kid, preferred to get the plasters with cartoons on them, because at least then it was an obvious thing rather than this like flesh colored plaster that wasn't my flesh color. Yeah. <laughs> Little bits of progress I don't think people realize are quite significant to people like us. And I kind of love totally. it. Totally. Even like the Crayola um, yeah, the announcement Crayola. I know this happened like it happened ages ago, yeah. a month ago, but it just made me think of when I was younger and <laughs> in nursery and me and my brothers we used to call like the peachy crayon the skin color mm-hmm, crayon how mm-hmm. sick is that yeah. it. <laughs> just it's so empowering for kids to be able to understand that there are different definitions of nude and different definitions of skin color yeah like so small but like so impactful I think yeah that Crayola thing definitely I had a little like moment for my younger self like it felt like a real win I don't know why it just really felt really important so yeah it is good change yeah. is happening and it is positive and there is a light um, and I think that's all we kind of need yeah let's just keep talking yeah for sure from all of the content that was shared over the last couple of weeks I saw this post about small microaggressions that people wouldn't even think were microaggressions that just happen in everyday conversation and the one that stood out to me that's actually super relevant for our episode today 
was one that detailed as people of color, like we've all experienced where, you know, either at school or at work, you come back from summer holidays and you have the white girls putting their arms next to yours and comparing tans. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's just funny, like thinking back, like the times where you even participate in that. Yeah. When they're all like, oh my God, I'm nearly, I'm nearly your color. And every single time it happened, I'd be like, well, well, this doesn't make much sense, but I'm going to roll with it. Okay. As usual, we're going to roll with this cool. Like, yeah, lol. Like, mm. it is. Yeah. You're nearly my color. But those little microaggressions that we injured and let go where it is a comparison of colors. Cause it's funny. You want to get to my skin tone. You don't want what comes with the skin tone, but you're trying to get to it. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, there's a whole like history behind all of that, I think, that is super traumatic, especially when you're in those environments. They do want to get to your skin tone or they don't want to get to your skin tone, actually. They want to get as close to your skin tone that they feel comfortable with. Yeah. But without also understanding the wider conversations. Also, there's, there's an assumption, which is what I always think about, that black people or people of colour also don't get darker. So you never come back from holiday and have someone say to you, oh, you've got a bit of colour. <laughs> because it's uncomfortable, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because we do get colour when yeah. we go on holiday, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I say that though, my black friends definitely notice. They're definitely kind of like, oh my God, you got a bit of, yeah. you got a bit of a glow, you got a bit of a colour. And I always get like really excited about it, because I'm like, oh, well, you know, being out in the sun. Um, I also think, actually, I don't know if this is for all black people, but I colour very, very quickly. So I always know if I've just been out in the sun for even like five minutes. And I do enjoy it, but mm. you're right. I don't think people realize that we actually also do change in shapes. And also we need to look after our skin and protect our skin from the sun. Yeah. Which brings us on to this episode, <laughs> actually. It does. The conversations around tanning in general. So both tanning from the sun and also people are going to be really super surprised about that we're excited to unpack mm. tanning from a bottle at yeah. home. Yeah. Do you want to introduce our first guest? So our first guest is Jules Von Hepp. He's a celebrity tanning extraordinaire who has worked in the tanning industry for over 10 years, bronzing A-list celebrities and getting models golden backstage at Fashion Weeks. He's also the co-founder of the 100% vegan, cruelty-free and organic fake tan range Isle of Paradise. And also joining us, we have Dr. Iwoma. She is a medical and cosmetic doctor. She's one of the most innovative and exciting names in the beauty and cosmetic scene who founded her skin-based clinic, Skin Doctor, in 2017, specialising in skincare for clients of all ethnicities. Thank you both for coming. Thank you for having us. How are you both? Good, very good today, considering it is lockdown. It's a busy time, it's a crazy time at the moment, and navigating each day is, it differentiates every single day, but all in all, very good. It's been interesting, this lockdown period, (laughs) to say the (laughs) least. Um, It's kind of like one year worth of events has happened in two months, right? Mm -hmm. um, Initially a little bit traumatic, but I've kind of managed to flip things and kind of take, you know, the brand virtually and it's been really positive, actually. So we would love to know both of your beauty journeys. How and why did you create your brand? Long story short, as judging by the name, I'm a trained medical doctor, did that for a bit. And quite quickly, I was like, eh, I don't think this is for me. A key reason was um, I just felt super, super stifled creatively because as well as having a very scientific brain, I'm actually quite creative at the same time. 
So, you know, the wards of the NHS was not the one for exhibiting that by any (laughs) means. When it came to kind of just exploring the different things that I could do, I came across the wonderful world of aesthetic dermatology or cosmetic dermatology. And I was like, oh my God, this is meant for me. Because, you know, growing up, I suffered with acne, you know, and through that, I kind of informally became like an expert with like friends and family. And yeah, and it just kind of seemed like the obvious fit, really both the place and the space that I can get stimulated creatively and at the same time stay true to obviously my purpose of being a doctor in terms of helping people with their skin and their skin journeys and just make them look and feel dewier and feel prettier so I love a dew love Mm. a dew I've always I always want to be dewy right love a glow (laughs) (laughs) and Jules what about you I actually fell into my uh, job in the beauty industry I became very very obsessed with skin and with glow and also with the confidence that it brought my clients. I trained under Nicola Joss who is a celebrity facialist and she trained me in spray tanning and then my lucky break came when I think it was like four months into my career and I was tanning a makeup artist Natalia Nair who is a woman of colour and she said oh I love how you tan, I love how you are in your rapport and I'd love you to be on my team on the X Factor and so I worked on the first season of the X Factor and that was the season with Little Mix and then from that I got poached by Strictly and I worked on Strictly Come Dancing for three years and during those times I was just picking up every single client you can imagine and traveling the world giving spray tans teaching so many people about tan and the art of tan and how to achieve that glow and how to feel your most confident two years ago I launched my own self-tan brand because I couldn't find the products that were right for what I wanted to achieve I found it was the same old orange streaky patchy smelly bottles that didn't tell the consumer the truth campaigns that weren't showing a true representation of the clients that I was seeing every single week in my tanning booth and so then I launched my own brand the Isle of Paradise. Both of what you're doing is about giving back actually looking after people Mm. that's what both of you wanted to do through your chosen brands and making people feel good as well yeah. and you you wouldn't think from a tanning brand oh I want to look after people and I want to service people you just think like oh like you know it's just another product I think with tanning or with anything if you're in a service industry you have to have a kind heart and you have to really care about your clients and mm. you know, people really open up and you Definitely. a hairdresser skin doctor makeup artist spray tanner you hear everything and people really are opening up about their insecurities and what is making them not feel that great and so you know they're putting their very raw and sensitive emotions in your hands and they're hoping that you can make them feel better and then once you have a job like that it becomes a real badge of honor that you wear with pride and you think every single day I get to make people feel exactly how they should be feeling we want to talk about your clientele and more specifically your clientele who are people of colour. Jules, going back to your celebrity spray tanning days, mm. who were the known celebrities that people might not have expected? Oh, a really funny thing about being a celebrity spray tanner is you have to sign all sorts of contracts and there are things that are locked up that I legally am not allowed to talk about. But trust me, women of colour are using tan for those red carpets. I can literally hand on heart tell you this. But it was the same, like, when you look at the Strictly Come Dancing lineups every single year, there's there's lots of different skin tones on those shows. 
And it's the same. It was the same every single week. I don't need a tan. What are you talking about? No, this isn't what's going to happen. No, you do need a tan. And when you have a tan, you go in front of that camera, you're going to feel absolutely amazing. I'm going to even your skin tone and I'm going to shade and contour and lift and give glow to this gorgeous canvas of skin. So annoyingly, I can't give you names, um, but, <laughs> but you can look back. <laughs> I feel yes. like Jules. When lockdown's over, can I get a tan? I feel like you I want to spray tan by down, you. sister. Jules actually gave me my first and only spray tan, which I love. I would 100% have another spray tan. But the smell, like to this day, I still remember that smell. Well, that was the old brand that I had to work with. So things yeah. have come on a long way, Chi, since you were in the booth of truth. <laughs> We've upgraded a lot. And, then, and that's something, you know, with tanning, it was the old school smell of biscuits. And it, mm. everybody smells different things. And also it can be to do with your pH of your skin and where you are in your cycle, that how you oh. react to a, a product. And different really? weeks, you wow. could be different colours in the final result because of where you are in your cycle. Isle of Paradise is formulated at a low pH, so the actual reaction, we smell much less. Oh, good to know. Yeah, so good to know. Either way, I'm, I'm coming for it. It's very sciencey. Behind closed doors, it's all lab coats and goggles. It's not like this glamorous <laughs> world when you're creating a beauty brand. And Uma, what about you? Can you tell us about your clientele? In the skin services industry, definitely within a kind of cosmetic doctor space I probably have one of the most diverse clientele 100% super super millennial and then dashings of Gen Z up in there and then occasionally their mums and their grandmas <laughs> the odd boyfriend hubby as well um, oh. in terms of ethnicities you know we've got everything from you know the super like alabaster white girl to like super deep dark chocolate black woman and everything in between and have you ever faked hands or sprayed, bottled, like what's your relationship with tanning? I've never had a spray tan. The only kind of product that I'd say that I've used is, it's a brand called Vita Liberata. Oh yeah. And I think it's called HD Blur. I guess that would kind of classify as a tanning product. Jules, help me if it's not, but I guess that's the closest thing that I've used anyway. That product is a cosmetic top finishing product, like wearing a makeup. Right. There's an ingredient within cell tan called DHA, which is deoxyhydroacetone, which dyes and reacts with the amino acids on the skin. So that's what a cell tan product would class as. Right. So in short, basically, no. <laughs> no nada, no experience whatsoever. After this, we're all going to go to jail. Aroma, what's the proportion of clients that are POCs that are coming to you to rectify skin damage from the sun? Would it be fair to say at least 90%, if not 100%, wow. is somewhat wow. impl implicated in some shape or form? The reason that I say that is because, again, with my women of colour, particularly my black and you know Asian women, or really my black women, before they even enter the door, I know their top skin concern is going to be hyperpigmentation, 100%. Yeah. Like, they don't even need to tell me. I just know that's what they're going to say. And that's what they always do say. Um, and that may be, you know, say, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So, you know, dark spots that are formed from, say, previous acne or eczema. But sometimes there's an element of, you know, UV damage from not wearing SPF and you know, even in those cases where maybe now they're wearing SPF, previously they haven't been. And so, 
UV damage can 100% exacerbate post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So hence, no matter where you are in that spectrum, you know, you're 100% affected. And do different skin tones have different reactions to the sun? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with, you know, my, my deeper skin tone clients, things such as, say, sunburn isn't so much of an issue. Whereas, of course, with my Caucasian clients, my fairer clients, that's obviously a concern. And then obviously the associated redness and what that, that you can get from that. With my darker skin tone clients, typically they actually really like a tan and they chase after it because it evens out all of that kind of uneven skin tone and the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation which yeah. in itself, okay, but it scares me because they don't wear SPF whilst out in the sun, which is a real issue. So yeah, so typically, actually, it's quite positive for, for my ladies of colour, it evens out their skin tone and their pigmentation. But then sometimes it can go a little bit far where they've really been abusing the skin, they can still get an element of sunburn. Typically find that though, with my women of colour who are slightly fairer in complexion, so more of like a medium um, skin tone. So those are some of the various ways, really, that it can affect different skin tones. We actually had um, a question come in from one of our listeners, Cosma Devi. She has quite fair skin and she was asking, what can we do to rectify skin damage and hyperpigmentation? So I was wondering if you could give any advice on that. Yeah, so first and foremost, as I kind of touch upon earlier, it's really important that you wear SPF. Making sure that you're wearing that rain or shine, no matter the season, even, you know, you could argue at home, you still need to be wearing SPF as well because UVA can travel through windows. So that's super, super important, um, mm. particularly if you're of a fairer skin tone. Another misconception is that one's makeup product satisfies SPF coverage. No, it doesn't. It's not enough. It's very difficult to quantify the amount of SPF within a cosmetic product. And more often than not, there's not that much actual SPF content within a cosmetic product because if it was... In order to formulate that, it would be hella expensive. It would not be easily affordable at Boots by any means. And also, it needs to be formulated in a way in which it doesn't kind of affect the, the quality of the product either, i.e. it doesn't leave you with a, a white cast or flashback when you take photos. Other kind of agents that I kind of love to use when treating pigmentation are things like acids, so specifically AHAs, i.e. glycolic acid, lactic acid. Those acids are super universal in terms of skin tone. Specifically with darker skin tones, I also love to use mandelic acid and azelaic acid. Um, and then if your pigmentation is quite significant, you might need a medical grade chemical peel, which means that your face, you know, flakes off and falls off over a week and you look super scary, but the results are amazing. Vitamin C is another ingredient that I love to use. And then lastly, if the pigmentation is pretty severe, we might have to go down the prescriptive route, so using more prescriptive ingredients. So that's pigmentation treatment in a Worcester stop. Gosh, I feel like mm. hyperpigmentation is such a big topic for all skin tones. Like I definitely feel like I, even with a bit of a fair skin tone, feel that as well. But it's so funny that you were just saying about the makeup thing. I definitely, when I was younger, had like, you know, the way I think it's MAC, has like it says it has SPF in it and I was like this will do I'll just put makeup on and go outside because as far as I'm concerned like if it says SPF no matter the grade it's selling me a product and I'm assuming I'm fine why wouldn't I assume that well no. you have to you have to remember that when they're creating those products the SPF that's in especially cosmetics they see it as coverage when you're walking from building to building they're not seeing as you are out having sun exposure for a long period of time. 
the sun right. is so so damaging my dad actually had skin cancer from the sun it was from him because he was outside walking wow. all the time and oh you know now my one of my best girlfriends said to me the other day she was like can I just say like thank you for making a good fake tan because a 16 year old me would be out now sunbathing and she says because I can get the same results I don't need to do this but I wear an SPF 50 on my face every day and I didn't in my early 20s and now religiously do it and I actually get mine from Australia because they have Mm. such an issue with the ozone layer that I actually Mm. get mine from over there and have it shipped over um, because you just cannot be taking those risks Mm. it's just not worth the risk Mm. but pigmentation is such a common um, issue and especially with my clients when they come for tans whatever skin tone pigmentation and is this going to cover pigmentation can I hide this Mm. and you know the best thing to do in this is not get yourself to the point where you want to cover the pigmentation or work time backwards. It's mm. to prevent, it's to keep preventing. Yeah, absolutely. And even just to add to that, I find that with my fairer clients, it's funny kind of the juxtaposition between, I guess, you know, the ideas and the feelings around pigmentation and the sun, you know, when you kind of contrast that with different races, right? I find that with you know my darker skin clients again as I said pretty much all of them have the concern of hyperpigmentation and obviously with that it's very much viewed in a negative way you know quite a distressing way uh, because it is whereas with my fairer clients they don't really come to me being like I've got hyperpigmentation it's not something typically that's in their vocab by any means but generally you know sun exposure it's viewed in quite a positive light in the sense of, oh, I've got freckles now. Yeah. Oh, I've got a yeah. glow. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's just that contrast yeah. is so interesting. Yeah. We want to do an episode that's fully dedicated to hyperpigmentation. So watch this space. Yeah, we okay. definitely you, you could write a whole book on pigmentation, honestly. It's one of the top three questions I forever get. So really? in short, just tell everyone to come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask you guys actually something that I didn't know. And obviously when, I guess as like people who are professionals in your career, you use scientific words and you know what words you're using. And a lot of words in medicine are abbreviated. Um, and I'm always like, what does that mean? So like, what is the difference between UVA and UVB? Yeah, so in short, UV is um, basically sun rays or rays from the sun mm-hmm. and you can differentiate them in terms of you know uva and uvb and the way that or the reason that they're categorized in that way is essentially because of the different types of wavelengths again okay. you might have to kind of backtrack to gcse physics all that jazz yeah, yeah. Um, but it just you know uva and uvb don't quote me on the specific numbers but they have different wavelengths and so right. because they have different wavelengths, they behave in slightly different ways. Right. Um, so when it comes to UVA, it goes a lot deeper through the skin. And UVA is typically the thing um, that causes, say, um, you know, skin cancers because it gotcha. penetrates way deeper right. into the skin. Gotcha. Um, whereas UVB, it's a shorter wavelength. And so it just kind of typically hits the surface or the top few layers of skin. And that's typically the type um, of UV um, that's responsible for, for the skin burning. So one effectively could give you cancer and the other one could burn your skin, is what you're saying? Technically. But obviously, <laughs> although they're categorised as two separate things, they appear concurrently. 
in real life, if you see what I mean. You're getting a bit of both when you get sun exposure. So it's just all around bad, basically. Yeah, the bottom line is don't sit with them. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing, like, with the way that I give skin advice, I'm very practical, albeit that may be kind of the best rule of thumb, but I'm not going to be like, don't sit outside. That's ridiculous, yeah. right? I'm not going to say, do not enjoy the sun. Ridiculous. No one's going to do that. And actually, of course, the sun's great because it helps to build up those vitamin D levels, right? You need the sun. However, I'm like, okay, enjoy the sun a little bit. You can sit on the beach, but wear a hat. Like, have a little umbrella. Make sure you reapply your SPF. You'll still get a tan. Let's be honest. You'll still get a tan, particularly if you're on holiday. But it just means you tan better and you tan safer. Gotcha. Obviously, with coronavirus around, and generally, the Black community and the POC community, we are told how important vitamin D is for us. Does wearing SPF, yes, it protects you from the sun, but does it mean that you won't absorb as much vitamin D from the sun? In theory, yes. Because even without SPF, for a lot of deeper skin tones, they struggle to get the recommended sun exposure in order to have the vitamin D levels that they should. I think it's a tricky one because, you know, as you quite rightly touched upon, you know, vitamin D deficiency, you know, there's a lot of kind of evidence to suggest that it's implicated in, you know, the severity and the prognosis of coronavirus. But I think it's very much about weighing up the risk to benefit. And I think that's why, you know, when I'm kind of counselling my skin of colour clients, particularly my deeper skin of colour clients, about SPF protection, I'm a little less strict, you know, with what I was saying about wearing SPF indoors. My darker skin tones, especially if I don't have them on a treatment, I'll be like, okay, cool, you can get away with not wearing SPF at home. I've kind of given you the whole path to do that. So yeah, it's a very much a way between risk to benefit, really. And obviously, really important to take supplementation as well, where you're not getting enough sun coverage. Jules, what is the proportion between men and women mm. getting spray tans and fake tans we've said that the tanning experience is mainly publicly a white experience but it also a very female experience too have you had a lot of male clients do you have male customers now i would say 10 percent of my clientele are men i think i can't use my own client base to be a general 10 percent of men use tan because obviously she loves to sit with the girls, this one. So, <laughs> but a lot of the time as well, in the male side of the tanning, it's quite a hidden thing. You know, nobody talk about it. And a lot of the time, if, if I'm working with a straight couple, I'll go and tan the wife and then he will say, is there any chance oh. I can jump? <laughs> there is completely different application tips because male skin is different. It's thicker. And there's also body hair to work with. Roma, with you, you talk about your ladies, but do you have male customers as well? Or? I do, but not very many. Not very many at all. I would say if you know, I had to give a percentage, maybe 5%, maybe less. Okay. But yeah. I also feel like that is because of the pressure that is put on the female society in, in order of, of looks and this belief that has been created since Cleopatra, really, that how you look is how you are defined which I hope Mm. we all know here is complete fucking bullshit but that (laughs) pressure that especially within the female um, side of life is immense pressure to look good and I think that you know I think I and as a guy I can say that I think guys have it a lot easier I don't think there is as much pressure as there is on on women 
They do, and I think for males as well, there very much is, obviously I'm generalizing here, but there very much is, you know, a reliance on kind of their female partners or the females in their lives in order to inform their beauty habits and behaviors. Mm. And with all things beauty, of course, you know, women are typically the first adopters of these things. And so it's going to, it always takes a while Mm. for the men to then catch on and be like, actually, getting a tan, like, it's not bad, actually. It's not Mm. bad. And I think lastly, there's a little bit of a, Uh, could you call it a bit of a taboo a bit of a shame of taking interest in one's appearance which is strange Mm. yep we're still having these conversations in 2020 and then it's kind of viewed as oh you know it's a feminine thing right it's a feminine thing to use a moisturizer or to use any sort of product Mm. I think that's all starting to change though we were on the British Skin Foundation website and it states that people with olive brown or black or shall we say more melanated skin have greater levels of protection from the sun so will not burn easily or hardly at all we were wondering is this actually true taking into account the variations in skin tone um, typically black people have an spf an inbuilt spf coverage of about 12 to 13 Um, and so hence why when we walk into the sun we're not burning within five minutes but with that being said I think it's important to stress that shouldn't give an excuse for complacency Mm. (laughs) right and actually it reminds of a super interesting science article I think it was in the the New York Times and it was these doctors basically saying that you know the whole concept of particularly with reference to melanated skin you're getting skin cancer because you're not wearing enough SPF they kind of suggested that that's untrue that typically you know the type of skin cancers that affects people of color particularly deeper skin tones you know it's a sort of skin cancer where it affects the palm of our hands, the soles of our feet, areas of the body that aren't getting sun exposure whatsoever, basically suggesting that the amount of SPF kind of use, again, stressing in melanated black skin populations, isn't necessarily proportional to um, an increased risk of of skin cancer. You know, we were saying at the beginning, people of color aren't being told to wear SPF, and Mm -hmm. not that we weren't told, but we just didn't think we needed it. And I was wondering, Jules, maybe from you as a person who has product, why do you think there's suddenly a fanfare when it comes to people of color wearing SPF where does that come from I think it's about a huge movement in society that is um finally the huge ship of inclusivity has slowly started to turn and I think that people have used their voices and said well hey what about us and it can be in any minority whether this is disability skin colour, sexuality, whatever our minority, finally, the voice is there to be shouted. We should all be protecting ourselves from the sun. This is like, it's like saying to people, don't smoke cigarettes. It's exactly the same. If you smoke yeah. cigarette, it's going to have a huge impact on your health. If you lie yeah. under the sun, it's going to have a huge impact on your skin. I absolutely agree with you, Jules. I think, you know, the tide really is turning. But just to be controversial, I don't think much is being done still and it actually is something that disturbs me within the skincare world and I guess hence why I do what I do you know the industries of color makeup you know now you can get a hundred and something shades right a foundation but I still feel like we don't quite have that same energy in skincare there's still a bit of a whitewash when it comes to campaigns Mm -hmm. for a lot of these brands even in you know the development process right the formulation process as far as I'm aware, again, Jules, correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I'm aware, skincare brands are not compelled to test on ethnic skin, right? No. We test on all skin tones at Isle of Paradise, but there is no law, as mm. far as I'm aware, that is you must test on Absolutely. all skin tones. And I think as well, 
a good pointer to look at is global differentiations. I mm. think I work a lot in America. And so in America, it's a very different ball game, and it's a much more diverse um, in terms of the advertising and the messaging. Mm. Um, yeah. But I also work in Australia, where my heart is broken every time I go in terms of messaging, because it's like going back 10 years. And so, you know, we're all playing catch up. And mm. I think the UK, in terms of Europe, it is forward in its messaging, but I agree with you. I completely agree with you. There is a long way to go. And I think just to add to that, you know, with the fact that there's no kind of um, law at the moment to kind of compel these brands to test on skin of colour, which actually might I add is is a really big problem. It's a <laughs> really problem. Yeah, it's just like the obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it really doesn't make sense, you know, and it and it almost feels very intentional because you know, with certain products, particularly, you know, on the topic of pigmentation, right? If these skincare brands do correct research, you know, research that is readily available to them, because it's readily available to me as a relatively new brand, we've established already that pigmentation is a top skin concern of women of color, right? You know, as I've mentioned, vitamin C is a key thing to help brighten pigmentation. And quite often, you know, a skincare brand will market a vitamin C product as, oh, this is going to be great to lighten dark marks and all that kind of great stuff. And it's going to be amazing for your pigmentation. And equally, they appreciate that, hence, because it is a top skin concern of skin of colour, it's most likely that women of colour, men of colour are going to be buying these products, right? So why is that not filtering down through into, as we've already mentioned, the development process, into the branding process, the marketing yeah. process? Yeah. There's a big mismatch and hence it feels very intentional. Yeah. Jules, on your website, um, it says Isle of Paradise offers no protection for UVA and UVB rays. We personally love our tan to be safe and from a bottle, not from the sun. And I actually think that messaging should technically exist mm. on all brands because what you're saying is like, we haven't created a product to protect you. We advise you to use this product so that you don't have to even need the protection don't sit in the sun it's actually really dangerous like I'm sat here thinking until today yeah. I thought that I was protected by my BB cream and yeah. I'm I'm actually upset yeah flashed yeah but it's so dangerous it's very yeah. dangerous and as I said it creates you know a situation where people become complacent yeah it is complacency but I also think brands need to be held responsible you can't say Absolutely. to people that they're protected you I'm I'm not protected <sighs> I think it's also down to um brands will only comply with what the other brand is doing and I think what's Absolutely. the norm and a consumer will always want to know if their foundation has SPF in it's a natural question that will be asked because we are all educated in the fact that we need to wear SPF I think we need to be looking at people of influence and mm. government laws and I actually, I don't think we can blame the brands for doing what Agreed. they're doing. And I don't own a colour brand. I'm not like mm. defending anyone, but I'm saying this is literally matter of fact. I think as well, we need to be seeing more educational content online, on social media, in schools, on television. You know, like in Australia, they have adverts on television mm. that say you must wear SPF. You can go and get your skin checked. It's a mm. thing. It's like going mm. and getting a facial. I'm going to get my skin checked. Whereas here, it's not really that educated. And Good. I think there's a lot of blind eyes turned to um, how important SPF is. There's such a 
a gap for that real flag-flying SPF. I think it's it's done occasionally, maybe in the media at the start of Easter weekend when people are getting their legs out and maybe they're mm. going under the sun. Make sure you wear your SPF. But other than that, like, I wear SPF in winter. Like, and I would it's, never even for me, that. it's part of my... No, but no, I, I mean, I'm in the beauty industry, like, through and through, so it's ingrained mm. within me. SPF, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, it should go on almost the last part of your skincare regime before yeah. or as your primer. Yeah, 100%. Jules has probably, like, opened up a whole can of worms with what he just said. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. agree. Like, you know... Uh-oh. It, it, <laughs> so much to unpack here. He's right, you know, you can't quite blame these brands, you know, because in actual fact, they're not lying. There is SPF in their products, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the core issue here of skin services in the UK... And so, yes, Jules, you know, is really right. Like the whole kind of concept of a yearly checkup with your dermatologist to check whether you have any moles, et cetera. It's not a thing, right? With the NHS right now, it's like even for those in immediate need of dermatologist help, i.e. those with severe acne, you know, they need to wait six months to get an appointment. Annual skin checkups, in my opinion, in the NHS is just not a priority because of limited resources and funding, right? Yeah. Yeah. We get two heat waves a year where the temperatures go right up to, what, 35, 36 degrees. Every year we're shocked. <laughs> and I think more so than ever now with all the pollution from gone from the sky, like the sun is so direct. But, you know, I've been going out on my socially distanced walks with my friend who is of Asian descent. And he walks like for four hours of the day in direct sunlight and does not think he needs to wear sunscreen because he's in the UK. But if he was on holiday, he'd wear sunscreen. I don't blame your friend because a lot of, dare I say most, people of colour just don't see the importance. And again, you know, I don't blame them. This is very much entrenched in culture and kind of advice that's been passed down from generation to generation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I find interestingly in clinic, I'm having to get clients to unlearn a lot of their conceptions or even misconceptions about SPF and then having to kind of get them to relearn, you know, a kind of more developed um, opinion and understanding. And I think, you know, it's a really clear distinguisher that I should make for my Caucasian clients versus for like my skin of color clients. There's very different reasons for wearing SPF. So again, like with my white clients, I'm very much like, you know, you need to be wearing SPF to protect you from things like skin cancer. Aging is a very real concern. Make sure you wear SPF in order to protect against that because as amazing as the sun is, it's hella aging. Whereas with my skin of color clients, okay, cool, you know, skin cancer, not so much of a concern. Obviously, it's still a possibility, but it's say maybe quite lower on on kind of the risk scale. But what I put forward to them is that actually you should be wearing sunscreen because your top concern is pigmentation, right? That's only going to get worse with the sun. So that's one reason to wear it. Second reason, if we're going to treat this pigmentation, a lot of these, you know, treatments actually increase, you know, your skin sensitivity to the sun. So i.e. it's going to make your skin burn a lot easier. So in order to kind of compensate what we're doing with the treatments to brighten your pigmentation, that's also why you need to be wearing SPF. And then third of all, again, this concept of black doesn't crack. Yes, for most of us, it doesn't crack. But I don't know about you. I've seen a couple of sisters and brothers that have cracked like, <laughs> quite badly. Actually. And, and I'm like, and I'm like to them, I don't know about you, sis, but like, I want to be looking really young. I want to be yeah. like, you know, the same energy that Gabrielle Union 
an entrepreneur yeah, that yeah. has that's it's what like, I want to yeah. have and if yeah. you want to achieve that you need to be wearing SPF at all times mm. <laughs> and you said mic it. drop yeah <laughs> I know <laughs> Jules your products it's water-based but it has oil in it I just need to know how it works because I'm probably going to end up wanting to use it after this same to strip it back to basics tanning from a product a self-tan product and tanning from the sun are completely different reactions tanning from the sun is to do with your melanin production within the skin tanning from self-tan is a reaction that happens within the amino acids on the top two layers of the skin everybody has different skin so everybody has different reactions and as i said before hormones different levels of what's going on in your day-to-day stress, everything can all affect the end result of your tan. When I'm at parties or when I'm at events and I'm chatting to somebody of colour and they say, oh, yeah, but I couldn't use it. And I'm like, well, why? Why could, like, what happens is self-tan mimics what happens when you go on holiday. So when you come back from holiday, whoever you are, you look well-rested. You look (laughs) well-rested. Imperfections are hidden within the skin. So that uniformity in the skin, mm. that evenness in skin tone, that's really what self-tan brings. And okay. the typical association with self-tan and that orange finish and that fake tan looking, that is from yeah. noughties from the WAG era. And it's a very mm. Caucasian way of thinking. Mm. And actually... What happens now in modern day tanning, especially like with Isle of Paradise, I'm just going to fly my own flag. It's a very different process. And whatever your skin tone, you will react to deliver a color that is reflective of what you would achieve on holiday. Um, With my clients of color, it is the same problem solution, like over and over and over a bit like um, you with um, pigmentation. It's I don't want this gray ash overtone the ash word is just used in every single time and it's like I look so like blue there's a blueness and like I want to look glowy and healthy looking Mm. and radiant you just apply one or two layers of tan over the top and what it does is it just all joins together and evens out skin tone and whoever you are the feeling the next day when you look in the mirror after your tan is developed you're like Mm. <laughs> yes, she's it makes me really proud and also a little bit sad to say that until Isle of Paradise, there was no women of colour used in tanning campaigns wow. at all. Wow. And it, it makes me proud to be able to say, yeah, finally, somebody did that. Somebody did what should have been done 20 years ago. But also it makes me sad that nobody did that and it took me to do it. And when I go to America, I get stopped on the street and people like get really teary and they say like, I I have to stop you. I use your product and I absolutely love it. And it's it's such an amazing feeling, especially like in Sephora's. And Sephora is a very, very forward thinking um, beauty company. Um, And with those those stores, the education is so ingrained and I do conferences with them and it's it's all the same. can women of colour use self-tan? And the answer is absolutely 100% yes. Um, but it's only because of media and preconception of years of whitewashing within beauty campaigns that 
is it's believed that you can't. But mm. I'm telling you, look at Beyonce. Yeah. No way is that. It's always glowing. No way is that. It's glowing. Yeah. I would literally put a deposit down on a house bet that her makeup artist is telling her. <laughs> and I know skin. It it ain't that even unless there's a little bit yeah. of something something going on somewhere. Yeah. And um, if you if you are thinking, oh, what tan shall I try? Like I've never tried it. This is sounding really interesting. Um, as a rule, if you have a mixed heritage, go for that medium shade. And if you have darker skin tone, go for the violet and ultra dark shades, because then you'll see that that glow and that real change in hue on the skin. Oh God, I'm gonna have to buy the product right now. <laughs> a really easy place to start, and especially if you have dry skin and you're already investing in your moisturizer and you're already investing in your body butters because you know what is working for your skin choose like literally Isle of Paradise violet drops you just add those drops into your moisturizer mix them together and put it onto your skin and you'll still see that change of final results you'll glow and your skin will be warmer in complexion more golden more glowy tanning isn't what people think Mm. it is tanning where you stand like a zombie and that we all know that ombre solaire ad, uh, or whatever it was where you know the woman just showed this huge ball lake of self-tan that is so archaic it's mm. literally not like that now and if you love lying in the sun and you think oh it's because self-tan isn't for me you're so wrong and you deserve to have the benefits and you can achieve them now like better than ever before okay Jill, i get it we're all gonna buy self-tan <laughs> No, literally, even I was going to say shameless beg like Jules, like, can you hit me up with some of your products? Right. Literally, my clients are always asking me about self-tans and I'm like, sis, I don't know about this stuff. Like, so I'd love to become a connoisseur for it. Even a really interesting point that um, kind of Jules reminded me about is, you know, I think having, you know, a diverse kind of um, representation within campaigns is super, super important. And I think it just for me confirms one of my beliefs of you know within the kind of skincare conversation women of color really kind of struggle to understand certain concepts within skincare because for so long they've been ignored from the conversation right Mm -hmm. and so they have real difficulty of seeing themselves within the context of certain skincare conversations you know as we're discussing there might be an article that says vitamin c is great for treating dark spots it's great for all skin but for a lot of people of color from what i've experienced in clinic and you know discussing with my clients and followers and whatnot although that article has said it's suitable for all skin tones they don't register as it's suitable for their skin tone because i think until you know an article or brands or whatever explicitly say it's for you they just don't get it again i'm generalizing here but that's you know just kind of what i've um witnessed no, it's true. We would talk about the Boots Summer campaign, for instance. Every year we see it and never do you ever see a scene where a person of colour is, you know, applying sunscreen on themselves. Exactly. My whole childhood, my parents never bought me SPF or anything. Actually, I'm going to admit here, and I'm a bit embarrassed to admit, the reason why I asked my parents to buy sunscreen was because all my white friends had sunscreen. Mm, I wanted to be part of that experience and it had nothing to do with any education. It was more like, everyone else uses sunscreen, so I want to use sunscreen too. 
But yeah, if we don't see it, how are we supposed to know to do it apart 100%. from just talking? Yeah, even just to obviously, you know, address the elephant in the room on this discussion around tanning and race, you know, we really need to consider and look at and be appreciative, you know, of the racial dynamics and and the kind of socioeconomic dynamics and historical dynamics when it comes to skin tone, right? Mm. Oh no, colorism is real. And mm. we we were debating when we were approaching this topic whether or not to bring colorism into it because within the community we all know that colorism exists the important thing for us to get across here was that actually times are changing and people of color do actually want to get darker and they are seeking that sun-kissed glow i think also for me if i think about it like chi you were saying about why you would wear spf and it probably is for being bit of a cheapskate point of view but the only reason I wore <laughs> um wore SPF is because I was like I don't have the money to buy another foundation color for every single transition I make with every single time I'm out in the sun <laughs> but it's true because for black people uh, if you're out in the sun for an hour my skin changes instantly yes. like, I, in two hours it's different five hours it's different and I'm just like I can't genuinely can't afford to like have four or five different shades of foundation every summer <laughs> I mean from a makeup artist background point of view just buy one dark foundation and always use that to mix and then you can always create the perfect shade just to give you a little hack there <laughs> oh it's just like the mixing and the mess before we wrap up what tip would you leave our listeners from the palest of skin tones to the darkest of skin tones about how to get that glow safely this summer I feel like we know your answer, but we want we want to hear it. What was going to say? Obviously, use self tan. There are so many ways to achieving that perfect tan at home. Remember that the first time you did a smoky eye or you did your hair a different style, you probably fucked it up a bit, and that maybe will happen with self tan. But remember that the benefits are so worth learning, and the more you do something, the better you get at doing it. There's obviously golden rules that apply, like exfoliate before, moisturize, dry areas, hands, elbows, knees, and feet. There is a wealth of information and knowledge on the joy that is the internet about how to get the perfect self-tan. But I promise you this, you can achieve that vacation glow from a bottle in your bathroom in a matter of hours, and it will be good, if not better, than what you would achieve outside in the sun wow yeah i'm just gonna give super predictable advice so make sure you wear that spf guys really important <laughs> rain or shine winter or summer you need to wear it all year round of course you know the spf kind of factor that you're going to be wearing will vary colder months i recommend of spf protection of between 15 to 30 and then for the hotter months an spf protection of between 30 to 50 spf is very much a personal product you know, it's kind of like your favorite moisturizer or your favorite cleanser. You really do need to experiment, try different brands. Some of my favorite brands that are super inclusive in terms of formulations that won't leave you looking ashy include brands such as Supergoop. They've just launched on Cult Beauty, though, oh, just with one of their sunscreens, the Unseen sunscreen beautiful sunscreen kind of like a silicony texture if you want something that's readily available on the high street i love la roche posay they've got lots of different formulation of, of spfs regardless of your skin type that's kind of my final few words amazing great i mean now is a great time to practice um self-tanner isn't it no one's gonna see you right it's a great time to practice and areas good to practice on are your legs at first you'll just get used to how it feels and get used to how it reacts on your skin and if you maybe feel like you need more, then just add more. And if you feel like you need less, just take it down a notch. 
Okay, so guys, our last question that we like to ask all guests at the end of our podcast, that's super important, and we'll just get you a little thinking about yourself a little bit. And maybe we'll start with Ioma for this one. When did you realize that you were beautiful? Oh, yeah. guys, why are you trying to trigger me out here? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, I've always looked half decent. Do you know what I mean? You know, but <laughs> I would say the past year more than ever, I just feel genuinely so beautiful inside and out. And I think that really comes from kind of as Jules was saying earlier on, I think there's a real, I guess, energy dynamic of, you know, providing services to people. And I think, you know, doing things like that and and obviously, you know, doing self-work as well. So I therapy and things like that and just trying to develop myself. I think all of those things have just kind of culminated to allow me to truly feel beautiful inside and out. Oh, sweet. Mm. And Jill? Silence. That's so nice. <laughs> never, so never, never, never oh, ask a Pisces how they feel because <laughs> you'll get a, a really deep answer <laughs> I think beauty is something that you grow upon each year if you keep working at yourself and last year I actually released a free downloadable tool called Get Body Posse which I had to research everything that I'd learned along my own journey of how I saw myself and the skills that I'd learned that I could help others learn. And for me, it was realizing that when one of my clients, when I left their house, I never actually remembered how they looked. And the things that I remembered and the reason why I, I liked them would be if they were kind or honest or truthful or warm, or if they gave me a good hug. And I thought, wow, like, actually, true beauty is the outside is only a tiny fraction of who we are and what we see in front of the mirror is only a tiny tiny part but the conversation that we have with ourselves the things that we say to ourselves in the mirror how we treat other people that all has a massive knock-on effect to how beautiful you are on the inside so again I think Mm -hmm. I want to say probably within the last year two years I've realized my true beauty but I think it's something that we learn more and more and more each year of our lives absolutely oh both great answers oh emotional (laughs) (laughs) before we go please can you both tell us and our listeners where they can find you on the internet on instagram i'm at jules von Hepp. my self-tan brand is at the isle of paradise which is sold across all major beauty retailers. And I also co-host the Feel Good podcast, Jules and Sarah, which can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast. Amazing. The main spot would be at the Skin Doctor Instagram account. So that's at Skin Doctor without the I. So S-K-N-D-O-C-T-O-R. If they're feeling fancy and curious, they can follow me personally <laughs> on Dr. Iwama Yukalege, a bit of a tongue twister. But basically just type into Instagram at Dr. So D-R- um, Iwoma, E-W-O-M-A and something will come up yeah and also if they want to catch us in real life at our um, clinic in Soho you can find us at 11 Golden Square thank you again to Iwoma and Jules for joining us today and chatting with us yeah I feel like I actually learned quite a lot like there was a lot of bits in that conversation that I was like oh I can't just rely on SPF in my foundation <laughs> I've actually got to put SPF on and learning to put SPF on whether you're at home or even in the winter so there's lots of great hits and tips given to us by those guys 
Oh my God, 100%. And we will absolutely be trying out Isle of Paradise. I cannot wait for that glow. Gonna be glowing. Check us out on Instagram. You can see what the products look like on all of our skin tones. We have four very different skin tones, which is actually quite nice. Yeah, I'm actually quite excited to give it a shot. This will be my first time ever trying any tanning products, whether it's in a booth or spray or from a bottle. So I'm excited to see the difference in my skin tone. So make sure to follow us on at and pretty podcast on Instagram and follow our journey. Yeah. Thanks for joining in and we'll speak to you soon. You have been listening to the Unpretty Podcast, hosted by me, Chi Euphodiama. And me, Basma Khalifa. Not forgetting our producers. Shout out to A. Soleil for booking our amazing guests. And Katie Bissett for managing this whole thing. Special thanks to Xenia Geller for our artwork and Enoch Colo for our soundtrack. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe, rate us, and make sure you tell all your friends. And follow us on at and pretty podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time.